Praise God. Praise God. Wow, that was, that was some good worship. I don't know about you guys, but um, I was over there enjoying myself. So thank you guys, all of you. So let's all give them a round of applause again. They did a great job. Amen. Amen. So for those of you who know me, you notice I don't have my hat on today. So the hat is not a permanent fixture. I can't take it off. So, but amen. It's, it's been almost a year since I've been here, up here talking to you guys. I'm excited today. I'm really excited. It's great to see all you guys. And um, Pastor Peter, Pastor Carrie and family just send their regards. Again, they're away at camp enjoying their time. So you guys are stuck with me today, but I promise I, tr- I will try not to stay in here too long. Well, maybe till 1.30. Amen. Amen. So today, scripture will have us in Romans chapter 7, but before I start, let us open in prayer. Well, God, our Heavenly Father, we thank you for today. We thank you for worship. We thank you for your word. We thank you for your love, a love that we don't deserve, but yet you bestowed it upon us. Through the sacrifice of Jesus upon the cross, you showed your love towards us. And we thank you. We just pray that your presence is felt in this place. That if there's any hurt, my God, that you bring healing. If there's any shame, my God, that you remove it and let the individuals know how much they mean to you. If there's any guilt, my God, Let them know that there is no condemnation to those who are in Christ Jesus. Pray that your word goes out the way that you want it to go out. It touched the hearts that you want to touch and that people will turn their eyes, their focus, their hearts towards you. We thank you for all that you've done, that you're doing, and that you will do. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. So the title of today's message is Battle of the Mind, subtitle The Law. And we'll be reading from Romans chapter 7, verses 14 to 20. Romans 7, 14 to 20. And it reads, verse 14, We know that the law is spiritual. But I, Paul is writing this, he says, but I am unspiritual, sold as a slave to sin. I do not understand what I do for what I want to do, I do not do. But what I hate, I do. And if I do what I do not want to do, I agree that the law is good. As it is, it is no longer I myself who do it, but it is sin living in me. For I know that good itself does not dwell in me, that is, in my sinful nature. For I have the desire to do what is good, but I cannot carry it out. Verse 19, for I do not do the good that I want to do, but the evil I do not want to do, this I keep on doing. Verse 20 in the final verse, now if I do what I do not want to do, 
It is no longer I who do it, but it is sin living in me that does it. Amen. So this whole chapter is talking about the law. See, when the Bible is speaking of the law, it is referring to what we call the Torah, which are the law, which we say is the law of Moses, or the first five books of the Bible, Genesis, Leviticus, Numbers, Deuteronomy, Exodus, not in that order. So this chapter is exposing the weakness of the law. Now bear with me. I'm not saying that the law itself is weak, but the law condemns a person. And because it condemns a person, it it, it has no ability to set the person free. The law has no power to save. And that is why the Bible says that it's in Jesus, in the body of Christ, through his finished work on the cross, we are no longer under the dominion. We are no longer under the authority of the law. We are no longer under the condemnation that is brought to us by the writings of the law. But we are now under the law of grace. And that's why Ephesians 2.8, it says, For it is by grace you have been saved, through faith. And this is not from yourselves, it is the gift of God. So understand that the law itself can't save us, but the law condemns us. And no, I am not saying that the law is bad, because the law is good, because it exposes our sin. Paul writes in Romans 7, 7, what shall I say then? Is the law sinful? Certainly not. Nevertheless, I would have not known what sin was had it not been for the law. For I would have not known what coveting what really was if the law had not said, you shall not covet. See, but we are no longer under the law. We are no longer under the law that condemns us. We are under the law of grace. And so Paul writes, therefore, there is now no condemnation for those who are in Christ. Because we are in Christ, we are the body of Christ, the law no longer has authority to condemn us. So I'm painting a picture before I really get into this, so just bear with me. And so in verse 14 of chapter 7, Paul writes, We know the law is spiritual, but he says, but I am unspiritual, sold as a slave to sin. And some translations is saying that he is carnal instead of unspiritual. So Paul is saying that the law is spiritual, but I am carnal. And because of my carnality, because of this wretched flesh, I am bound to sin. And the law itself, because it is spiritual, it is helpless in delivering me from the bondage of sin. And as one writer puts it, Paul recognized that a spiritual law cannot help a carnal man. And the reason why it can't help again is because it was made to expose 
our sin. It was made to hold a mirror up to ourselves, to our face. And we can see the wickedness in our nature, which will show that we need a Savior. We can't do it on our own. So the law finds us guilty. And in verse 15, Paul says, I do not understand what I do for what I want to do, I do not do. But what I hate, I do. And it's because of this carnal flesh. It's it's because of, of the flesh being bound to sin. Paul is saying that the things that he knows that he wants to do, the things that is spiritual, getting into the word, praise and worship, spending time in community, these things, though I want to do, there is something deep down in my flesh that is driving me away from spending time in the presence of God. It is causing me to go to the things that are feeding the flesh instead of feeding my spirit. So it's not that Paul doesn't know what to do. It's just that there's something in him, the flesh, that is bound to sin, that is pulling him away. See, the law did not give, the, give Paul, nor did it give us, the power to fulfill the requirements of the law. The law did not give us the power to overcome sin to overcome our sinful desires, our carnality. So in verse 17, he says, as it is, it is no longer I myself who do it, but it is the sin living in me. Now with that understanding, Paul is not saying that it's all right to sin because it's not really you who's sinning but it's the sin that is in you. He is not saying that he's giving us the permission to fulfill all the sinful desires of our flesh. He is not saying that we should deny our responsibility of doing what Scripture says, but what he is saying is that now that he is in Jesus, now that he is in Christ, and that's why he says in verse 14, he says that he was sold to sin, meaning that at one time he belonged to sin, but now through Jesus who purchased him, who purchased all of us with his blood according to Acts 20 and 28, we no longer belong to sin, but we belong to Jesus. And because we belong to Jesus, we have a new nature. We don't don't just have a new nature, but according to scripture, we have a divine nature. And that's why 2 Peter 1 and 4, it says, by which he has granted to us his precious and very great promises so that through them you may become partakers of the divine nature, having escaped from the corruption that is in the world because of sinful desires. And this is why getting into the word is so important because we are not just new creatures, but we now have a divine nature. We, we, we belong to God and God dwells in us. But sometimes because we don't spend time in scripture, we spend time doing other things, we really don't know who God says that we are. And the moment that you 
realize who you are in Jesus, you will start walking in the way that God has told you to do. If God says that you are kings and queens or princes and princesses, but yet you don't know it, you will still be living as a beggar. That's why scripture is so important. And so even though we know we belong to Jesus, we know that. That's why we're here. We still live in this flesh. We still battle with this flesh. And so in verses 18 and 19, Paul says, For I know that good itself does not dwell in me, that is, in my sinful nature. For I have the desire to do what is good, but I cannot carry it out. For I do not do the good I want to do, but the evil I want to do this I keep on doing. We know that there are things that we shouldn't do. We know there are certain desires that we have that are contrary to the desires of God. Even though we know that God requires us to do certain things, even though we know what Scripture says, there is still a battle raging inside of us. We still battle with lustful desires. We still battle with anger. We still battle with depression. We still battle with with the people who God says that we should love. And so there's still a battle raging inside of us. And we, we, we sometimes say, I know I've said, God, I, I know I should be reading your word. I want to get in your word, but I'm hating the fact that I'm still swiping on my phone looking at all these TikTok reels and, and looking at YouTube. Let's be honest. That be honest. You open your phone and two hours later you're like, oh man, let me go back to Genesis 1. And, 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 and sometimes we say, God, I, I, I want to pray, but I'm hating the fact that there is something in me that is calling me to sit back and, and, and watch Netflix and watch this series. And my wife got me into K-drama, and it's pretty good. And can you edit this video? I'm not admitting that I watch K-drama. But there, there is something. We, we know we should be fasting. The Holy Spirit is telling us that you need to spend time in prayer and fasting. But yet, that piece of chocolate cake and the distractions. We, we want to praise, but, you know, you, you turn on the gospel. You, you turn on your phone and start playing the gospel music. Then all of a sudden, you start remembering back in the days, like... Yeah, this is remind me of Michael Jackson. And you start trying to do the moonwalk and realize you can't, not in your socks. But these are the things that we know we should be doing, but we still have that battle. And so this is why Paul says in verses 21 to 23, he says, so I find it to be a law. He's not saying it is, but he's saying it's happening so much that I find it to be a law that when I want to do right, 
evil lies close at hand. That when I want to read my Bible, when I want to evangelize, when I want to come to church, when I want to utilize my God-giving talents for the kingdom, there is still distractions. There are still uh, 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 desires. There are still disruptions. There are still struggles and strongholds preventing me from doing what I know is right. Verse 22, for I delight in the law of God, in my inner being. He's saying, I delight in the law of God in the innermost part of me, the real me, the part that has been born again, the part that has been regenerated, the part that delights in the law of God and in the things of God. In verse 23, he said, but I see in my members... Another law waging war against the law of my mind and making me captive to the law of sin that dwells in my member. Here Paul is describing the war that is raging within him. These thoughts, they are taking him captive. And and this is important because when we understand the power of our mind, then we understand why the enemy wants our mind so bad. You see, the mind is considered the seat of emotions. It is what controls us. It is what guides us. It is where our will is, our desires. The mind can cause us to perceive things based on our experiences, whether good or bad. The mind controls the sensory part of our body. It is the control center. And that's why in Proverbs 4.23, Scripture says, keep thy heart with all diligence, for out of it are the issues of life. If you understand scripture, a lot of times when, it's, when the Bible speaks of the heart, it is referring to the mind. And so when we talk about keep, it means to guard your heart, your mind. With all diligence, it's talking about you're guarding your mind as if you're a guard. You're guarding your mind as if you you're, 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 um, have it captive and you're not allowing things to enter in and enter out. Because he says, for out of it are the things that, that um, controls your life. Out of it are the issues of your life. Out of it are the things that cause you, out of your mind, all the things that cause you to want certain things, to go in certain directions, to desire certain things. So he said, guard what comes in and out of your mind. And that's why the enemy wants our mind so bad, because he knows once he's able to get in our mind, once he knows he's able to cause us to think a certain way, then he knows he has control over us. So we need to guard our minds because out of it are the things that govern our life. That's why scripture says out of the abundance of the heart, out of the abundance of your mind, the mouth speaks. Whatever our mind is full of, that's what you're going to say. So if your mind is full of negativity, you're going to be speaking negative things. You're going to sound like a pessimist. 
instead of holding on to Scripture. But if your mind is full of Scripture, regardless of the situation that you're in, regardless of how things look, you're going to just be speaking the Word of God to encourage yourself and those around you. So out of the abundance of your heart, out of the abundance of your mind, the mouth speaks. And that's why we're having this battle raging within our mind. That's why the enemy is constantly trying to pour into our mind. That's why when we walk out, we see billboards that is speaking to our mind. That's why when we go to the store, we see televisions and and things that are catering to our mind. That's why when things get quiet, because the world constantly has our mind in a state of stimulus, we start feeling agitated when it gets quiet. And so we have to turn things on because our mind is constantly going. We don't get in that time of rest. And because we're not in a time of rest, it is hard for us to sit in the presence of God long enough to hear what he has to say for our life. So the enemy is constantly attacking our mind. So In verse 24, Paul writes, O wretched man that I am, who shall deliver me from this body or from the body of this death? He is pointing to the fact that he realized he can't fight this battle on his own. This, this, this battle that he has no power to win. So he says, oh, wretched man that I am, who shall deliver me? Paul is here and he's crying out saying that this battle that, that is raging on within my being, this battle in my mind, it is, it is too great. I am tired of trying to fight this losing battle every time I try to fight against the flesh, every time I try to fight against the desires of my mind, I seem at a certain time to be winning, but the battle gets harder and I fall back into the same sin. I fall back into the same struggles that I've been trying to be, that I've been trying to be delivered from. And he's saying that I am weak, I am tired, and I can't do this anymore, oh wretched man that I am. Who shall deliver my body, deliver me from the body of this death? Who shall deliver me from being tied to this sinful body, the body that has me bound to sin that leads to death? How many of us have been there where we've just been tired, tired of being tired, wondering why we keep going back to the same thing that we felt we were delivered from. It's because of the battle in our mind. So Paul is writing this to let us know that there is a war raging inside of us. Not everyone understands what is happening, but there is a war raging inside of us. And it's a war for our mind. And if we try to fight this war on our own, we have no chance of winning. He's letting us know that even in the midst of battle, there is still hope. And that's why he says in verse 25, he says, I thank God 
through Jesus Christ our Lord. So then with the mind, I myself serve the law of God, but with the flesh, the law of sin. Paul is saying that in Jesus, he still acknowledges, even though he is in Christ, even though he is saved, he still acknowledges that there is a struggle. But it's Jesus who has a hold of his mind. And through Jesus, he has victory. Through Jesus, he has victory over sin and death. Through, through Jesus, he has victory over Satan and the dark kingdoms of this world. He's saying that through through Jesus, he has victory over his mind. And yes, the flesh will rise up and battle against his mind. But in Romans 12, 12, it says, Be not conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing, renewing, Renewing of your mind. It's not, it, and, and renewing is an ongoing process. You have to stay in the word of God. You have to stay seeking his presence. You have to stay in praise and worship. You have to stay doing the things that God has called you to do. Because your flesh is going to constantly want to rise up and fulfill its own desires. And the desires of the flesh is contrary to the word of God. But now God has now put the Holy Spirit inside of us. And it's the Holy Spirit who directs us and speaks to us. And it's the Holy Spirit who gives us strength. And we have to understand that the Holy Spirit is not just a power, but it is God himself. And that's why in 1 Corinthians 3.16 it says, Do you not know that you are God's temple and that God's spirit dwells in you? So the moment that you start, the moment that you believe, according to Romans 10.19, uh, 10, 9 and 10, it says, because if you confess with your mouth the Lord Jesus and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. For with the heart, one believes and is justified. The word justified means bring back into proper alignment. So you're being brought back into proper alignment with God. And with the mouth, one confesses and is saved. So the moment that you confess, the moment that you believe with your heart and you know with your mind who God is and the sacrifice that God has made by sending Jesus to the cross to die for us, the moment that you truly believe that God raised him from the dead and that we are in Christ, raised with him, and the moment that you believe God steps inside of you, the Holy Spirit is now inside of you, helping you to battle the war that is in your mind, helping you to remove the strongholds that the enemy has placed over your life, helping you to stand on the word of God to cause you to remind, to remind you of the things that God has said about your life. And that's why we have to understand and know what scripture has said so we can hold on to the word of God and we can stand and say, say not today because because I belong to Jesus. I am a child of God. My mind, my body, my soul belongs to him. Yes, there is a war, but scripture says that uh, there's no, 
no form weapon that will prosper against you, which means that the weapon will be formed, but it won't prosper because you belong to Jesus. But in order to get victory over our flesh, we must surrender to God. A lot of us come to Jesus still holding on to our baggage. Jesus is walking, saying, Follow me. But we say, Hold on, Lord, I'm coming. I'm coming. And we're still holding on to our baggage. He wants us to let everything go. I've said this before. For us to have complete joy, J-O-Y, he wants, to he wants us to just offer yourself. You want joy, just offer yourself. He wants nothing else. He will take care of everything else. That's why Matthew 6, seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness and all of these things shall be added unto you. Trust him. So the first thing we have to do is we have to surrender to God. In order to, to surrender, we must believe that his word is true. That's our foundation, is believing his word is true. Because once you believe that his word is true, everything that is contrary to his word, we will say, it, it, it's, it's false. We're not going there. We, we don't believe it. Because if God is who he says he is, he says he is not like man that he should lie. That everything that he says in his word is true. And anytime we go against what's true, then we're going in the direction of a lie. So we have to stand on the, on the basis that the word of God is true. Second thing is that we must study the Word of God. We must know what God has said. Now that we know and we believe that His Word is true, then we have to know what the truth has said about us. The authority that we have in Jesus. That we're a part of the church which the gates of hell shall not prevail against. Why he's called us an ambassador. That he's given us power to tread over scorpions and scorpions and over all the power of the enemy. We have to know his promises towards us, but know and also know how he wants us to live and govern our lives according to his word. Psalm 119.11, your word have I hid in my heart that I might not sin against you. So if you believe the word of God is true, anything that is contrary to the word of God, you know it's wrong. So you take the word of God and you hide it in your heart. You take the word of God and you know it. You keep it in your mind. So when the enemy presents something, you compare it to what scripture says and that will direct you, that will govern your life. You must apply the word of God in your life. Many people know scripture, but are they living it? 
I say this. We should be able to speak God into people's lives without ever having to say a word. Our lives, the life that we live, should reflect the truth of Scripture. Exemplify the love of God by what we do. I tell people, you don't work for salvation, but you work because of salvation. If you believe the word of God to be true, you want to do the things that God has says to bring people to him so they can feel the love that we feel. Apply the word of God to your life. And the last thing is we must be intentional. Intentional. Just because we save doesn't mean everything's going to come easy. The enemy is not going to give us time to be in the presence of God. He is not going to say, oh, you know what you want to pray? Okay, I'm going to stand out here at your bedroom door and I'm going to attack you when you're done. He's not going to do that. We have to be intentional. We have to set time. We, we live on a, in, in a world that calls us to continuously be busy. Busy. And so we have to set time saying, God, this time I am dedicating to you. I was speaking to someone the other day. They were, so we were talking about tithing. I'm like, what about tithing your time? What about tithing your time? We get 24 hours a day. God only wants, if you break it down, 10% of 24 hours actually breaks down to 2 hours and 24 minutes. So that means we have 21 hours and 36 minutes to do whatever we want. And some of us don't even give God that much. I'm guilty. So we have to be intentional. Because Satan is not afraid of us, but he is afraid of our God who dwells in us. So Satan will try to do everything he can to take advantage of us through our flesh to gain access over our minds. And we're going to be closing with this. Jesus, just because we're in Christ doesn't mean we won't have battles. Jesus himself still had a battle at the Garden of Gethsemane. He knew the will of the Father, but his flesh didn't want to go through the pain of the crucifixion. His, his, his flesh didn't want to go through the agony that he knew he was going to be going through. He said, my spirit is willing, but my flesh is weak. But what he did was he sat down and he continued to pray and he continued to seek God and he continued to be in the presence of God until God was able to strengthen him and allow his flesh now to become subjected to his spirit. And then once his spirit became uh, stronger in a sense and he was able to say, not my will, but the will of the Father. Sometimes we are battling within ourselves, but we don't spend time in the presence of God to put our flesh down and get our spirit strong enough to overcome the desires of the flesh. And so we, so then we don't do the will of the Father. 
We don't do the will of God. We're not spending time with him for him to pour into us, for him to encourage us, for him to guide us. Because we allow our mind, our flesh, to take over. The battle of the mind. Closing with this last scripture. As Jesus said, not my will, but your will. We need to say the same and remember or in 1 John 4, 4, it says, you are of God. You belong to God, little children, and have overcome them because greater is he that is in you, that is in each and every one of you. Greater is he in you than he that is in the world. So know that when these battles come, when your flesh tries to rise up, the Holy Spirit, he is in you, giving you strength and power to overcome. Let us stand and close in prayer. Lord God, our Heavenly Father, we thank you. We thank you, we thank you, we thank you for you. We thank you for the Holy Spirit who dwells inside of us. And even though we may fall short from time to time, we now know, we now trust, we now believe that if we tarry in your presence, the Holy Spirit will strengthen us. The Holy Spirit will cause us to, um, to overcome the desires raging in our mind. The Holy Spirit will break the strongholds, the lies that the enemy has placed in our mind and fill it with your truth. We believe your word. We trust in you. We thank you for this time and this moment. My God, I pray that you touch every person's heart here today, my God, and let them see themselves the way that you see them. We are greater than who we believe we are and who the world says we are because we are your children. children of the king and we thank you it's not because of anything we could have ever done but it's because of your love for us in the name of Jesus Christ I just pray that if there's anyone with any strongholds my God just touch them where they're at bring deliverance bring healing Bring direction. Bring clarity, my God. And let them feel your loving arms wrapped around them. 
we thank you, our Holy Father, our amazing God. We honor you. We give you glory. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. As the worship team is praying, for those of you who feel the need just to come to the altar and just seek to be in the presence of God. Just coming here and saying, God, I want to give it to you. Whatever is holding you back, whatever you're struggling with, even if it's just identity of knowing who you are, please, just don't worry who's to the left of you, who's to the right. Just give it to God. Give your mind. Surrender to him. And so that we can walk in complete surrender to God and and in the presence of the Holy Spirit. Allowing the Holy Spirit to lead us where he wants us to go. So the altar is open for anyone who feel just the need just to come give it to God at